Welcome back. Rich Tech Podcast. Your episode 23. Hey. Uh Vienti Itres. The Jordan. I'm practicing. Yeah. <laughs> uh we got a special guest. And uh, we'll get to it. But before we introduce our special guest, who you see on camera here, uh, we have to do a wrist check. Uh, let's start. Let's start with our special guest. Actually, let's start on this side, Jason. Yes, sir. The wrist check. So I am wearing an Angelus Respect. U53 Diver Torbjorn. Uh, this is the latest acquisition I picked up a couple of weeks back. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Grade five titanium flying Torbjorn. It's very pretty. Helium escape valve. I like the strap. Torbjorn dive watch. Who needs yeah, it? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why does it exist? Who needs, who needs That's it? Why, why not? Need. That's why it's a diver. It. Why it's not? the biggest That's flex, why you have right? to buy it. So yes. you, can, you can flex on exactly. all the uh, underwater, all yeah. underwater yeah. animals. Are you right? <laughs> I love the strap, too. It's like a green rubber strap. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. So this actually came with two straps. This is the, the forest green rubber, and it also comes with the NATO. Nice. It's more of like a khaki color. So, you know, green is my favorite color. And... You're, this, in, you're in good company. Yeah, yeah, I was just this. This is just how, like, just the boldness and the audacity of putting a flying tourbillon in a diving watch that can you can take saturation diving, right? The it, it's fucking ludicrous. Yeah. It's crazy. It's also <laughs> a skeletonized dial. It yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, it's um, it's it's really well done, and and not a lot of people know about Angelus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think as a brand, right, they're 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 not really well understood. So I'm I'm hoping at some point people will come to you know better understand and appreciate the virtues of the been. brand. Cause they, they they occupy, I think, a very unique space in the market and they're doing a lot of really cool things. It's a beautiful timepiece. Thank you. Agreed. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Really nice. Yeah, thank you. Um, I guess I'm next. I'm wearing Noldi but goody. I'm wearing my Oris Datwat Aquas. Nice. Um, what do we say? It was a gift from a very nice man. Yes. <laughs> shout out to VJ. Shout out to VJ. There's no, there's, there's no episode, you know, it's not official unless we shout out VJ, but this was this was given to me by the man himself. And um, I love this piece. I wear it often. Um, it's just a, a ton of fun. You matching your outfit today? I am. That was intentional. <laughs> so some blue, some That's slate. Dope. That's dope. Yeah. I love Oris, um, man. Oris is dope. VJ's the man. It's a good, good it's team. It's an incredible good brand. Good and value for your dollar. It's oh, yeah. just like incredible. They make like watches that I think can can rival like any of the best tool watches yeah, easy. on the market. Easily. 100%. Uh, what do you have for us? So it's the same watch I wore in the last episode. Okay. I haven't taken it off since. It's the first Omega in space, Speedmaster. Nice. On the very weird but good Grand Seiko strap and buckle. Because it's just better than the Omega one. Because <laughs> uh, it brings out the hands, too. So the it strap does. is like this nice. white, gray. Brings out the white chronograph hand, the white seconds hand. So it's a good match. Also super comfortable. So mm -hmm. just leaving it on for a while. You can't go wrong with a Speedy. It's no, like never. Awesome daily driver. That is one of the brands, not, not brands, but one of the watches I've never owned. No. Really? You don't have a Speedy? I've never owned he a Speedmaster. Yeah, and I will, will at some point. I just You'll probably own multiple. I haven't found... The that one. one yet and what i always struggle with there are just so many damn speed masters on the market right it's a lot of references and there's so many references and so many limited editions and i i just i always felt really overwhelmed and trying to make a choice getting your first one is tough yeah because yeah. you don't know where to go but after you get your first one it's kind of like have them all after that or yeah you, you you want a lot yeah but then you start to like you start to look at them a little different you're like oh this one is really cool maybe mm -hmm. i want this one and then you kind of like you end up getting multiple. Well, they got one that they dropped in. Uh, it, 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 
I'm not good with Speedmaster references, but it is the uh, the Platinum Speedmaster with the meteorite dial, mm-hmm. with the meteorite subdials, and the Onyx yeah. dial mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the. And I think it's got the the caliber 321 in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that piece is just like stunning. I have a very soft spot for Platinum, Come but I've never had the opportunity this. to see one in person. I was like, man, if I ever had a Speedmaster, that'd be the one. That, that would have to be the one. I yeah. think that should be the name of the episode: Soft <laughs> Spot for Platinum. What do you What do you got, Mister Never Repeats a Watch? Yes. Still keeping the tradition alive, still feeling myself. Um, episode 23, and still have not repeated a watch yet. Um, this is my G Shock GA100. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like my beater watch. It's really big and bulky. Wear it to the gym. Um, you know, have worn it to a couple of vacations. Um, it's got like these purple accents, so the hands, the indices. And the subdials all have like purple accents in it. Mm. Um, for some reason, it just reminds me of like a Star Wars stormtrooper. It kind of does yeah. look. Like it's a just like super yeah. big and bulky and like. It's funny. Yeah. It's just something futuristic about it. Um, Let me ask you a question. So now you know you have tw- you have you have over twenty three watches. How do you decide what watch you're gonna wear when you wake up? His outfit. <laughs> yes, yes, I would say definitely like what I'm wearing, but it's also, you know, what h- how I map out my days. So mm. like week like so like weekends or off days is probably like a G-Shock. Mm. Like I'm probably wearing a G-Shock, I'm probably wearing a Beta, I'm probably wearing something that's digital where I can just read it right away, don't have to think too much about it. It's like on and gone. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if I'm doing something dressy or like something where I gotta flex a little bit and show out and be like, yeah, yeah, I do collect watches. Like I got, you know, I do this. <laughs> <laughs> then I bring the big boys out, but you know, for the most part, like, you know, the G-Shock just checks all the boxes. Um, and I've shared on the show before, like, you know, I was gifted a G-Shock as like one of my first time pieces that I could remember where I was like, oh, I love watches. Yeah. Um, and it came from my grandfather. But even still then, I remember owning like, you know, Iron Man watches and Timexes. Yeah. So like digital mm-hmm. watches and clocks and things like that has always been in my my DNA. Mm-hmm. 90s baby. 90s baby. Let me ask you a question though, with the white. Do you have any issues with discoloration or just trying to keep it clean? Because that's something I've always worried about with white white straps, cases, especially when they're like a polyurethane or or, you know, some type of a material like that, that... They'll stain and, yes. and just hard to keep clean. No, truthfully, it it does stain. Um, you can see uh, on some parts of it, like in the different um, the materials. Stained, yeah, exactly. The rest of the watch looks fine. The rest of the watch that's is fine. because that's one of the parts you touch the most. I kind of yeah. like that, though. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea that it, it, it'll actually like patina. Perry, the G-Shock that Perry gifted me, that snow camo, I got it wet and it still hasn't aged or stained or anything mm. like that. Yeah. I took it to the pool when I went to Orlando. That's what I wore in the pool. I wore that and I wore the Oris mm. in right. the pool. I, I kind of go old school, too, and like... The same as like sneakers. I put a toothbrush to it, man. Or, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah legit. Yeah. I'll put a toothbrush yeah, to it. I'll scrape it. it. You yeah, know, man. put some Dawn on there. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's not only for like Very washing technical. ducks. Washing penguins. Because <laughs> I've, um, I've got a Glacial Gold G-Shock. And that was from a collection that they released in 2018. And the whole collection is like clear polyurethane straps and cases. Mm-hmm. And with with gold accents. And so I I gifted three of them to family members and I kept one for myself. 
And that polyurethane likes to turn yellow, like the, it does. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the icy soles right on your kicks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, but that's part of the character. It develops that patina. Yes, right? it does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess too, because I'm very dark skinned, so you know, I kind of get away with it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, those translucent cases, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just my skin. <laughs> no, I'm not dirty. I do bathe every day. Respect. <laughs> but it, be- it begs the question. <laughs> Where is the show going right now? Right? <laughs> we didn't even get into the nitty gritty. We just got started. Oh, man. But I'm curious. You know, but I'm curious about that because when you see some of the higher end yeah. applications, like with the Hublots, for example, when they're going with transparent straps, yeah. And, you know, really light colored straps, you know, to match their ceramics and their sapphire cases, which is super dope. I just wonder, you know, how, how I it think stands those materials are crazy, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I've never seen a strap like that age. Yeah. Because they're also so fucking expensive. Yeah. Like, the yeah, straps, yeah. if you're going to replace them, it's like, and mind you, most of these are silicone rubber. Yeah. 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 Like 500 bucks. Yeah. 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 It's no it joke. It better not age. <laughs> yeah, no. So, getting right into it. Yeah. Jason. Who are you? Where are you from? Yeah. What's your story? So I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, so I'm a native New Yorker. BK all day. Yes, three yes. Of us. That's three of us. There we go. Perry's on number today. It's fine. I'm from the Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we invented hip hop. I'm sorry. We have 28 <laughs> all right, all right. We're not Yankees doing that. championships. We're not doing that. We're We've got Ralph that. Lauren. We're not doing that. Yeah, you got Ralph. I, the list goes on. You got Ralph. Mm. But continue. Brooklyn name. <laughs> we got Biggie though. We got Biggie. We got Biggie. No, nah, Brooklyn's Brooklyn's got a lot of virtues. Brooklyn's got a lot of hipsters. No, too. it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, the epicenter of uh, gentrification, right? And it's just fascinating to see, right? Like I, I was born, you know, I'm, I'm an early 80s baby. I, you know, and so I was born and raised in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And just seeing how how Brooklyn evolved so much, and just seeing how the rest of the city began to evolve so much, right? You saw We've seen that spread to Queens. Yeah. I'm sure people are seeing that also because that's happening in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. I was hanging out with a watch collector last night who was, you know, talking to me about uh, a co-op that he just bought up in the Bronx in a neighborhood that, you know. Oh, you, the Piano District? Uh, I don't know if it was the Piano District. It's in the South Bronx. Uh, it's not in the South Bronx. No? It's a little further, a uh, little further up north, but. Oh, so then in the north. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, you know. 15 years ago, you, you weren't going to hear people. Yeah, you, know, you wasn't. No one probably couldn't there. even walk through there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it depends how far north. I grew up in the North Bronx. It was very nice. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it was very nice. <laughs> very, very nice. <laughs> right now. I'm just saying, if you know about the Bronx. Well, coming from Brooklyn. In the 90s, the North you, Bronx. You, you have to. It was very nice. There's always going to be some aversion to the Bronx coming from Brooklyn. Yeah. Sure. No, I'm going to tell you my Bronx that. story. Yeah, right? so oh, I got a Bronx story too. Know, Please share. Everyone's got a Bronx story. Everybody's got a Bronx story. And I'm going to tell you my Bronx story. So this was in, I want to say, February of 2010. I never go to the Bronx. I'm out with one of my best friends. We're having dinner in the city. And uh, one of our mutual friends hits him up like, yo, we're, we're hitting a strip club. You know, why don't you meet us? Right. And this is at Sin City. And so I'm, am I even allowed to talk about this on the podcast? Yeah, please, please. Well, come on. So this check started. So in my, you know, in my gut, I'm like, man, I got no business going up to Sin City in the Bronx. We could always go to Queens. Best trip clubs are in Queens. So whatever. The, there was a bunch of dudes up there. We said, all right, we'll go. So, you know, I, I drive up there, I'm driving, you mm-hmm. know, my car and, you know, I find parking on the block and I'm like, all right, we're not staying long. We're just going to come kick it. We'll shake hands, sure. we'll just show face and then we'll be out. I'm not even there for an hour. I leave the venue and my, I walk not even a half a block down. My car is sitting on bricks. No. My car is sitting on bricks. Both of my windows are smashed. My trunk is popped. And I'm like, this is why I don't fuck with the Bronx. Hey, this hey, is why hey, I can't. Hey. I, this is the Bronx. You know what someone not, from the Bronx would have no told you? You got no business here. 
Should have gone to Sue's rendezvous. It's <laughs> <laughs> on me. That's, so that, that, that's my story. That's my Bronx story. And man, I'll tell you, the the what was crazy about it was it was like four o'clock in the morning. It was starting to rain. And thankfully, uh, one of my other homies that was there, there were two guys that drove. Mm. And they they both had, I had a spare. I had like a donut. Yeah. And the two of them also and had a donut. A donut so I had three donuts. And we were driving up and down the Grand Concourse trying to what? find a chop shop that had a, a donut yeah. with a bolt pattern that would fit my car. I was going to say, the, 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 like the, the donuts, that they fit your car? <laughs> they fit enough. I just needed to be able to flatbed my whip. Like yeah, that was the issue. Yeah. I was literally sitting on crates and bricks. So I was mm. like, there's no way they're going to be able to move my car yeah. if I don't have some wheels yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, right? Wow. So anyway, man, this that didn't get yeah. resolved until like 8 a.m. Sure. And that was- uh, It's that, called that's Sin That's the last City. time. That's the last mm-hmm. time I ever went to the, the Bronx for yeah. that was the last time anything other than just passing sure. through. Wow. Sure. Yeah. You yeah. ain't missing much. Well, I mean, oh, stop that! <laughs> I, I used to I used to study at uh, Bronx Community for automotive technology, so I know all about the Bronx and their association with vehicles. So, you know, we'll I've see, never we'll had see. any experiences like we'll, this in the Bronx. We'll say the we'll Bronx say my Bronx story. It is extensive. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 and, and I, look, I say I say this mostly in jest, right? I mean, and that's 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 the beauty of New York City, and what it I mean, is. and what I yes. mean by that, like more pointedly, is. Every part of the city has got a different vibe, a different 100%. energy, a different culture. And even within the boroughs, right, different neighborhoods, you find that that kind of energy. And that's what's beautiful about the diversity of the city, right, yes, which is, is such a big part of my story. A hundred percent. And where I came from in Brooklyn, where I grew up, <coughs> excuse me, I grew up in a part of Brooklyn that's about as far away from the city as you can get. What, okay. we, what we call a two-fair zone. Right, if you want to try to get to the city, you walk to the bus, take the bus to the train, might have to transfer a couple Where of is times. This? So I grew up uh, between uh, primarily in Georgetown, which is right right off of Ralph Avenue, Flatlands area, yeah. and Canarsie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a neighborhood at the time when I was growing up that was, it was very black and white, mm-hmm. right? There, there wasn't much in that immediate vicinity in terms of other ethnicities. And so my background, my father's Chinese and my mother is Italian. So mm-hmm. we were a, a, a mixed family living in an area without very many mixed people, let alone any Asian people. There was really mm-hmm. no Asian community where I was at. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of those experiences growing up, like being different and being made aware of how different I was from everyone else, yeah. really kind of set me on the path, right? That kind of brought me to Complecto um, and, and, and helped me to... to learn at a very early age, you know, what it was like to be on the outside looking yeah. in, right? So speaking of, of Complecto, but taking a step back simultaneously, um, I know just from our conversations, Complecto was, um, it came about via your experience in your profession. Mm, mm. Um, what, what is your professional background? Yeah. So professionally, my entire career has been in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. And for, you know, people hear those terms, I think, a lot more now than they used to. And those, yep. those words are thrown Definitely. around a lot, but I don't know that people necessarily know what they, what they mean, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's important to put that in context. And so for me in my career working in DEI, which mm-hmm. is shorthand for diversity, equity, and inclusion, the focus is really on looking at systems and processes mm-hmm. within an organization that impact employee outcomes, Yeah. right? And so that's, What's your approach to how you hire people, yeah. right? How you interview and ultimately make decisions around who you're going to hire. Once mm-hmm. you bring people in the organization, how do you evaluate people? 
from a performance standpoint, determine right. how people get compensated, mm -hmm. right? And whether or not people are being developed and they get promoted, mm -hmm. right? And it's looking at all these different aspects of an organizational culture to really determine like, do we have a culture that is equitable and ensuring that everyone, irrespective of how they identify, is being given an opportunity to be successful, mm -hmm. right? Fair shot. And so, exactly, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of that work also applies to how companies build things, mm -hmm. right? And whether or not you're, whether you're selling insurance or you are building a social media network or you are building and selling financial products, you're not selling to just one group of people. Exactly. And so, you know, my work has always been very focused not only on the culture and the vibe and the energy from an equity perspective of how companies are built, mm -hmm. but it's also applying that lens to how they build, right? And sell things and yeah. communicate that out in the marketplace. Right. And so that's always been, you know, what I've been doing for the better part of the last almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, starting uh, in finance, my first role, my first job was at Lehman Brothers. Uh, and, it, you know, oh, wow. big investment bank that ended up going bankrupt and triggering the Great Recession. My mother worked at Lehman Brothers. No kidding. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the over there? in the 90s. In the 90s. In the 90s. She was there in the 90s. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I look back on that and it's like, you know, that's like two lifetimes ago. Yeah. And but I was I was working on diversity back then, right? Wow. Before it was a part of the public consciousness mm. in the way that it is mm. now. Yes. So all that to say, I mean, I you know, seeing as much as I did and doing as much and experiencing as as much as I did in that in all of those environments, right. um, you know, as I got deeper into this rabbit hole of watch collecting, I began to see a lot of the same types of cultural things yeah. right, right sure. in the watch community and, yes. and whether it's going to meetups or whether it's going to industry events i, I realized a lot of these spaces looked a lot like the places that i worked very yes. homogenous yeah. very yes. homogenous and a lot of the people that i was interacting with and i'll just call most of the men right that sure. i was interacting with the white men that i was interacting with you know there were a, a, a lot of similarities culturally to the executives that I was working with in these organizations, yes. mm -hmm. right? And and folks that I was trying to help them understand and recognize the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm -hmm. you know, to their teams, to the culture, to the bottom line of the business. And so, what was fascinating for me was the fact that we all loved watches, right? That was like a commonplace for 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 us to be able to connect and build. Yes. Mm. Um, where I, I felt like, you know. In my career, my corporate career, oftentimes, as soon as I walk in the room, I'm the diversity guy. Yes. Sure. Right? And so yes. everyone's already got, like, the shield up yeah. because <laughs> people have opinions, of right? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you're, you're like HR. Yeah, absolutely. You're, HR, you know, you're gonna tell yeah, me I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I'm saying something wrong. I gotta be politically correct. Yep. Or, yes. yes. You know, and so that you know that that always um, that can that can foster very like. Almost like an adversarial type of dynamic, yeah. which yeah. makes it really difficult to do your job. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah. So, Absolutely. At, at what point you mentioned diversity is obviously a big key word here, especially what you do with, with Complecto. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, at, at what point did you realize when you wanted to start Complecto and what you were mm -hmm. doing in your professional career that you think I'm the person that needs to be doing this and yeah. I should be doing it? Yeah, I mean, I remember it very distinctly. It was in the fall of 2020, and you know, I was. You know, it was at the tail end of of like the first year of COVID, mm -hmm. right? And the burnout was just crazy. And and 2020 was just a crazy year, not only for the pandemic, right? You're yeah. talking about a really crazy election cycle, mm -hmm. right? You're talking about the murder of George Floyd, yeah. which isn't new, yes, right? It exactly. wasn't new, but the reckoning that followed was mm -hmm. was new in yes, terms of yeah. the sheer outrage, right? That people could no longer ignore. Mm -hmm. And so all of these different events, right? 
the like this the social, cultural, political climate that we were operating in, you couldn't get away from diversity, right? In in, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, everyone was faced with. They finally had to. Address yeah, you couldn't ignore it. And, yeah. and you know, and employees, right, at companies across a variety of industries were saying, "Well, it's no longer good enough to say, well." We keep non-work stuff out of the workplace. No. Mm -hmm. People had an expectation that if you want me to bring my whole self to work, then I need to be able to I need to be able to tell you that you know what? Like, no, it's not happy fucking Friday. Yes. It's not happy Friday for me. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's not happy Friday for me or happy Monday for me when a a store in a predominantly black neighborhood in Buffalo just got shot up. Seriously. And it was and it's specifically targeting the black community, Mm -hmm. right? And like people not being able to have those types of conversations for so long. Yeah. And and now, right, the expectation was, well, no, that's not good enough. We have to have these conversations. And so I say all of that to say in the role that I had where I was leading diversity, equity, and inclusion for uh, a health tech company, you know, I I could never turn off. Yeah. Right. I, I was on 24-7. And, you know, the burnout, you know, really started to weigh on me. And so I, I, I would have days where I was like, man, I don't I don't know if I can do this mm. yeah. because the emotional labor that yeah. comes with doing any work yeah. in the, the DEI arena, you can't fully appreciate it unless you do the work. Yeah. Right. Or unless you are a person of color. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're experiencing these things in a very real way. Yeah. And so, you know, I started to try to think, like, how can I reimagine a way to do the DEI work, which I love, right? Because it's just the core part of my value system. You can't do it mm-hmm. unless you live and you breathe it yeah. because it's just too hard, yeah. right? Yes. I was like, how can I do this in a, in a, in a world and in a way that is, feels less exhausting and where I will feel like I'm actually having an impact, Yeah, you know, where I feel like I'm, I'm like controlling my own destiny mm. and, I'm, and I'm operating on my own terms. And so like many people during the pandemic, I sought refuge in watches, yeah. yes. right? I mean, I was already like, very far down the rabbit hole of collecting, but <laughs> I was stuck at home, right? And so for the, the little bit of downtime I did have, like I was just, it was all watches all the time for me. Right. And I, I, I began to connect those dots and I said, well, shit, you know, the, um, the Swiss watch industry and just the watch industry in general is, is very male dominated. It's very homogenous. Mm-hmm. And so many of the, the, the dynamics that I'm, I'm trying to combat in the corporate uh, sphere, mm-hmm. I'm seeing present in, also the, in the, here. In the, in the yeah. comment section at Hodinkee. Oh, yeah. Right? In the yes. comment sections of, of a lot of watch media blogs mm-hmm. where you can just see, you know, people's feelings and their bias. It's yes. very interesting revealed. because that's part of what we were talking when we had Bryn uh, Dimepiece mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where our article was about. And yeah. She yeah. was compelled to write that because what she described as the vitriol she was seeing in the comment section mm-hmm. when she would post like a Cardi B with mm-hmm. an, an iced out watch. And it was just like, why do you hate it this that, much? That much. Yeah. Why are you, when you so post, passionate? Yeah. Even when yeah. she would post Cardi B or, or an entertainer or rapper yeah. or yeah. whatever with a, it could be a factory set watch or something that yeah. you know, would be considered a plain Jane. But just yeah. because homie in the comment section don't have it, you salty. Yeah, super like, salty. If it wasn't them, you wouldn't be. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I would, sense. I would go a step further to say it's not because they don't have it; it's because they see somebody who doesn't look like them wearing. Right. It, yes. Right. Bing, and people, bing, I mean, and let's just let, and, and people don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> call yes. space, space. Right? But call I'm, space, but that's space. why I'm here. I'm here to have that conversation, yeah. right? And yes. I'm not here to to make people uncomfortable, yes. right? For the sake of making them uncomfortable. But at a certain point, you have to be able to have these conversations. You have to be able to be honest. Well, what I think is important about the honesty that you bring, and I think what, what people need to understand, if we can contextualize it, is that what you've done professionally and what you're doing with Complecto enriches experiences. Yes, yes. And what we experienced at the event 
that you put together was phenomenal. Yes. I mean, you. we Thank had you. so much fun and mm -hmm. connected with so many people. It was it, it it was one of those things where it was like, oh man, is it over already? <laughs> it's like I want to go. Yeah. Let me yeah. go another two hours. Yeah, like, exactly. Please. Exactly. And, um, and and a lot of us did. Many of us went to dinner right yeah, after yeah. and got drinks after. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. So, um, focusing on Complecto. Mm -hmm. First, let's start with because we, we we've given some background to. But what yeah. is where did you get the name from? What is Complecto? Yeah. Come from? So what does it mean? Complecto is a Latin word. Okay. And it means to include to welcome, to embrace. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that that personifies the spirit, right? Yeah. That I'm trying to bring, right? And and to the community and the kind of community that I want to build, that I want, I want it to embody. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, it was like it took a while for me to come up with the name because I didn't come up with Complecto until January of this year. And and this concept that had been incubating for two years, mm -hmm. almost two and a half years for me, before I finally like all right, it all kind of came together. Yeah. And I needed something that was going to be like easy to remember and mm -hmm. like roll off the tongue really quickly and still communicated what I, I wanted and needed people to understand, mm -hmm. you know, about about what we were and what we represent. And so mm. that's that's where Complecto came from. Interesting. Yeah. As a as a name, as a brand. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and you have a partner. Uh, I do. This. So, yeah. So, my, shout out to, to my homie, David. And shout David, out to David. Yeah, shout, shout out, out to, to David. David. We met him at the event. Yeah, he's, he's a cool awesome cat. Guy. Yeah, he's a cool awesome cat. Awesome guy. Yeah, David. David was the was the first person out of the gate who said, I, I love what you're doing mm. and I want to I wanna help however I can. And so, David is is the founding member and he's he's serving as an advisor and, and is bringing a ton of really great insight. He's got a great background, a lot of technical experience, uh, fundraising, adventure capital experience. And so, he's been really key as a sounding board and a thought partner for me as I'm just trying to, you know, figure out what the hell I'm doing. And mm -hmm. I'm just learning a lot of things on the fly. Mm -hmm. But he and I, really crazy story about how David and I connected. Um, he and I actually connected on the Rolex forums like five, six years ago. Oh, wow. And, you know, we uh, we didn't even realize that that we knew one another when we met in person. I'm a part of a, a of a watch club based here in New York City called the Watch Club Society. Shout out to my Watch Club Society family. Yeah, we, we were hanging with some of them the other day yeah, at, yeah, Braymont, yeah, at the yeah. Bremont event. Yeah, yeah, we ran into Nick. Yeah, good people. Who we met at, at the Complex. Absolutely. Event. Great people over there. And so, you know, David ended up um, becoming a part of that community. And so David and I, like we just, once we met in person, we connected on a lot of different things. And it wasn't until like two years after we had met in person that we were having a conversation and realized, it was like, holy shit, wait, yeah. I think that we know yes. each other from the, the Rolex form. So, wow. so it's just crazy the way the watch community works, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Where there's, it, as big as it can be, it's still really small, so. Super small. Yeah. The cool thing about Complecto too is, um, cause you know, the watch world already has this way about like bringing people together, mm -hmm. where it's funny, it's like, it's almost like, um, you know, the minute you get a, a whiff that someone has is like into watch collecting it's like yo yeah exactly. you know what i'm saying like exactly. it immediately sparks exactly. conversation yeah and um my experience has been that it's actually one of the the more diverse communities that i've been part of mm. yes and what was beautiful about complecto is that even though it is very diverse we meet um we meet our likenesses mm -hmm. um in very uh you know few quantity mm, mm. and com the, the event brought a lot of us together yeah yes and it was a very diverse event yes right 
lots of women, lots of people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and plenty of white folks, too. And plenty oh, of white yeah, folks, absolutely. too. Absolutely. And, it, but it, 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 you know, fostering an environment where you're focused on diversity, it's interesting how with watches, all of that simultaneously melts away. Mm-hmm. And no one is concerned with who you are, what you're wearing, mm-hmm. where you come from. Everyone is literally nerding out about what's on your wrist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, what, but I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was, and I was going to say, especially when you were kind of getting into the mission of Complecto, is like, that is, I think what you're able to do is kind of like bridge that gap because we, like to Perry's point, you don't see color, you don't see social status. All we do is have a shared interest. Mm. But then once we get outside of that bubble, then there's still division. Exactly. And I think what you're able to do, to do is then kind of like bridge that. So if someone is in another community or a different covenant, we've yeah. had these kind of conversations mm-hmm. outside of um, off camera. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you sharing in your different spaces and 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 um and covenants and in your groups of people? Mm-hmm. Kelly touched on it a little bit when she was here. It's just like you know, when all of these things were happening. I actually had to hit the reset button and be like, mm-hmm. oh, we actually do have a problem here yeah. because I'm, you know, I have people that are this. I have, you know, friends from here and so many other things. Yeah. She grew up in Philly. Mm. So, I mean, it's Philly. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure she doesn't really see color either at a certain point. But mm. there are places where, you know, people just aren't familiar with yeah another ethnic background or culture because I'm from Brooklyn too. Yeah. I mean, you're in a room with a bunch of people you don't know. Yeah. I always know the whole of the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm holding the wall. Absolutely. I'm trying to find out what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, kind of getting into that space and actually disarming and being like, oh, that guy's cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, yeah, yeah, what it does is it, 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 it diffuses you. It drop, makes you drop your wall. Well, yes, not only but, does it diffuse you, it fosters relationships. Yeah. Yes. And then these and relationships blossom. Them. You want to nurture them, they blossom into relationships where people care about one another. Yeah. And then when you care about one another, you care about the, the things that are impacting those people's lives. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So there's yeah. there's a little bit of a domino effect that's involved with it. And that's the beautiful thing about Complecto. Yeah. No, thank you. I no, I appreciate that. And and something that I, that I think is important, right, is, you know, I, I oftentimes hear people talk about not seeing color. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very important we to, see, that color, to see color. Right? And, and, and most of the time when people say that, they mean well, right? What they're trying to say is, I think... You know, when they say that they don't see color, that they see all people as people, right? Sure. And you want to engage and judge them based off of the merits of their character. It's well-intentioned. Right? And it's very well-intentioned. But I think that it is important that you do see someone's color. Absolutely. And you do see the way someone identifies. Because yes. that is that is who they are. Whether you whether you choose to see it or not, everyone else sees it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? And everyone else, in some way, shape, or form, is engaging with them according to what they see in front of them. Exactly. And so, you know, that, you know, that is re- was really important to me as I was thinking about complecto and like what this community could and should look like. Mm. And that's why for me, you know, I, I I wanted to make sure that the values were really out front. Yes. Right. And that we were leading with the values when we were talking about complecto because that right there tells you everything you need to know. There's about no confusion about. Yeah, here. No confusion. This is what we're exactly. doing. <laughs> and so, you know, while I, I'm, I, I'm very intentional that collect that complecto is, is, was started and is, is being built and nurtured and, I'm, and I want to grow it with this with the very specific goal of increasing diversity within this community, mm-hmm. right? 
it is for anyone that has that shares our vision for a more inclusive future mm. in the watch community, right? Yeah. And so it doesn't matter what you look like or how you identify. If, if that resonates with you, yeah. if that is something that speaks to you and moves you, then you got a home here, yeah. right? And, I, and, and we want you to be a part of, of this thing that we're trying to build. Uh, so, you know, to me, you know, I, I just felt like by leading with that, you know, that was going to empower people to opt in or opt out out the gate 100 yes, yes. You, we yeah. know where everyone stands exactly yeah. so if you show up then that mm-hmm. tells me if you're here at a complecto event that like we have a shared value system absolutely yeah. and being able to anchor in that i think is a very powerful thing 100%. yes i think you, after seeing the mm-hmm. sorry Michelle, i think after seeing the the press that came out around complecto and especially being there you're going to want to be at the next one. People yeah. are going to want to be around. People I hope who, so. Who yeah. weren't yeah. able to come yeah. for this yeah. one. Yeah. I think it's going to, like we said, it's going to drop that guard. Yeah, yeah. it's Styles P. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Shout out to Styles P. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Show up. That was a really great thing, too, because there's so there's so much, um, you know, there's all these thoughts about, like, hip-hop and watches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, these preconceived notions mm-hmm. about, what a rapper wears or what a rapper collects Mm -hmm. and uh i love the fact that styles was there and just you know talking to him about his interest yeah in in watches and and watch collecting he was rocking the gp yeah Yeah. i'm saying and and, but i also love like the space that he comes from where he's like you know i just like the watch Yeah. yeah and and that's how it starts. Yes. And that is that is that is why we are here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? It starts with I just like the watch. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you know, know just a, a crazy, you know, just crazy story how I even connected with with Styles. Yeah. Right. So I was visiting one of my ADs in Greenwich. Mm. Shout out to Betteridge. They showed me a lot of love over the years. Yeah. And I walk in and um I see Styles. Uh, talking to my homie Jose, who's a watchmaker over Shout here. Shout out to Jose. Man. Shout out to Pro Sway on IG. Yes. Um, and he's he's talking to uh, to Styles in the longer salon, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, well, one, and I'm just I, I'm surprised to see like Styles be standing there. Two, I'm like, in the longer salon, yeah. And, and only because like longer is not like that's not on everyone's radar, it's right? Not. Mm-hmm. Most people like if you know longer, you're a watch person. Yeah. But right? even there, even seasoned watch collectors that are like yes. They don't know. Absolutely. People that fancy themselves aficionados are really 100%. not, don't really know much about Longa. And yeah. so I say all that to say, like, when you see somebody in a Longa salon, you're like, okay, they have more than a passing deal. interest in watches. Exactly. Right? Like, yes. this is someone who who cares about watchmaking. Exactly. Oh, sure. Right? And the craft. Yeah. Because that's what Longa's about. Right? 100%. And so I, you know, I, I didn't say I didn't approach after he wrapped up. Like, we made eye contact. He introduced himself. And, you know, it, it just happened to be the day after uh, the homie Ricardo, who contributes to Time and Tide, yeah. he had published a profile on me before I had even launched Complecto, mm. just talking about, you know, kind of what I was hoping to achieve and what I was getting ready to Ricardo's launch. Ricardo's that dude, man. And yeah, so I started guy. rapping w- with Styles, and, you know, and I, I just told him a little bit about what I'm working, and, like, his eyes lit up, and he was like, how can I support you? Like, let's keep in touch. Here's my math. And, you know, we've kept in touch ever since. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been, it's been love. And what I, what I really appreciate so much about Styles, specifically in the context of, of this watch collecting and community shit, is he reminds me of why I love watches. Yes. Because he's not going to tell you, he can't tell you the reference number of every watch in his watch box. Yeah. He can't tell you, you know, about every complication that he's ever owned, but he can tell you what he likes. Yeah, he he can tell them. you what he loves, mm-hmm. right? He's not a brand snob. And that's why I, I, lo- I, I love those kinds of collectors because 
what I love about them especially is they collect what they like. Yes. It comes from a good place. Yes. It comes from a good place, but it comes from an honest place. And so they actually wear their watches. Yes. They're not yes. wearing them to flex. Yes. They're wearing them to enjoy it. Absolutely. And that's what we that's what we kind of stand on here. It's like, I mean, you know, you get a little bit of watch history from the crew. You know, especially Ben being the watch encyclopedia. But for the most part, <laughs> like, I mean, we talk about pure love. <laughs> I'm not going to let it. No, I mean, just like we we really talk about the pure love and passion that we have for watches and kind of what's brought us all together. It had, yeah, facts. Um, so we talked about Complecto. Yes. We talked about Jason. Jason's a watch collector. Jason yes. has watches. I do yes. have watches. Uh, how did this start for you, personally? Where yeah. did you? When? When did it click that it was like this is a little bit more than a hobby? <laughs> this is a passion. This yeah. is a lifestyle. Uh, I would say for me, it clicked in the in the early two thousands. I would say okay, uh, probably two thousand, right around two thousand four, two thousand five. Right. Um, so my my cousin Chris mm-hmm. is um, is also a watch collector. And, you know, at, at that time, Breitling, you know, was yeah, really, really popular. Right. And as a as a young man. Right. Like every young man that I knew wanted a Breitling. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, so remember like, that, I remember that time. Yeah, I remember yeah, that time. <laughs> yeah. And like it was. And also, like, that's when I had started working on Wall Street. Right. right? And a lot of the finance guys like they had Breitlings. Yeah. Right. They had Breitlings, tags, Rolex, et cetera. And I, you know, I certainly was I was not in a position to be able to afford a Rolex or, or anything sure. like that at the time. But like aspirationally, like I knew I wanted a Breitling and, and I, I fell in love with the, the Breitling that my cousin Chris had, which was a crosswind racing, um, mm. you know, from the Chronomat collection. And Breitling only produced that watch for about two years. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, in terms of production, it was a very small run. And what yeah. was really interesting about that reference was it's fully brushed mm-hmm. during an era where most Breitlings were like yeah. all high, high polished, polished, high yeah. polished tanks. Because we're looking at the one you brought here yeah. from your watch box. And yeah. early 2000s, everything was shiny as hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So yeah. this, was, this was, was such a departure from what was in vogue for Breitling at that time. Yeah, this was not trendy. It was not trendy, yeah. but no. that was the one that I fell in love with. And like, you know, and I'm a big fan of like the monochromatic vibe and all oh, of yeah. that. And so like that, that was the the watch I said, well, when I'm, once I'm able to, like, that'll be the watch that I get for myself. And it was. Yes. And, that, and that was the first, you know, kind of nice, quote unquote, you know, Swiss watch that I bought for myself. That was, Breitling was my first nice Swiss watch I, I purchased for myself Can too. Can I tell you something? <laughs> don't tell me you got it. Don't tell me you got a bust down Breitling. I didn't get a bust down Breitling. Yeah, a bust down bezel though. But I owned a Breitling once, and it had diamonds. I got it on Canal Street. <laughs> <laughs> so this was around the same time yeah. when Breitling was hot, yeah. and they did the ones that were like associated with Bentley. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they had the rubber strap. Yes, mm-hmm. and a really good friend of mine. He's like a brother. His name is Shamir. He had one, and I was like, man, I want that watch. Yeah. And he was like, well, I'll tell you where to get it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we went to Canal Street yeah. and I bought a fake Breitling. Yeah. Oh, I, don't wow. I don't remember. Like I mean, it was, a, well, I didn't, no, please. I didn't pay more than 50 bucks. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so I wore the hell out of that thing. Listen, one of my homies did the same thing. He yeah. loved the Navitimer. And this is back in the early 2000s. And he got one of those Canal Street specials. Really? And uh, and we were driving and, and he had his arm out the window. <laughs> Uh-oh. And somebody snatched the off his wrist. The, 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 the bracelet fell off. Of course oh. it did. Oh. Yep. So that 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 met a very swift I've heard, end. I've heard that Turkey is a place to go <laughs> if you want a really good knockoff. 
Turkey. Turkey. Yeah, yeah, I've heard turkey. Yeah. Long, that's a long way to go for that's Breitling. A long way. Yeah, we ain't talking about Breitlings anymore. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so we're holding mm -hmm. the crosswind. Yeah, it's a crosswind. Crosswind, crosswind racing reference A one three five five. Wow, mm -hmm. and that's got uh, the Valju seventy seven fifty. Okay, right. So that's the same I iconic, iconic workhorse movement that mm -hmm. <laughs> every brand, right, right. At, at one point or another has used yes. right in their chronographs. And up until just a few years ago, IWC was still using mm -hmm. right a version of this yeah, in their, in their pilot chronograph. Mm -hmm. And it's just like it's it's unbeatable. You know, I mean, the thing just it's super snappy. This yeah. movement is like Crisp, valuable now. Yeah, too. Like, yeah. If you if you find a watchmaker that's using this movement they're like that's what they're talking about that's the highlight mm, mm. and there was a point in time where it wasn't that and so this thing is it's just like it's a tank man mm. you know and this is actually my third time owning this watch and i was before we turned the cameras on i was telling the story but you know at when i was early in my collecting journey i i, I couldn't afford to ha amass a collection Right. And so I, I bought the Breitling and I enjoyed it. And then I sold it to get something else. Mm -hmm. And I sold that to get something else. And then I missed the Breitling. So I got another one, yeah. you know, and, and I ended up you know buying this one in 2017 and I've had it ever since. Mm. But I got the first one in 2008. So between 2008 and 2017, mm. I owned three versions of this watch. Different wow. dials. Uh, so the first one I had was a black dial. Mm -hmm. um, the second one I had was a silver dial with uh, a diamond bezel. There nice. Go. There we go. I told, I'll, diamonds. I'll, I'll <laughs> diamonds. Now, it was an aftermarket diamonds. setting, but done in like the fact in like an OEM style. Yeah, so yes. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too gaudy. So it looked good. Yeah. So it wasn't as big oversized. It, it did it look wasn't good. that Iguodala right. special. No, nah, it wasn't oh, yeah. that. Yeah. It wasn't that. <laughs> the sorcerer, <laughs> fine sorcerer on the bezel. Oh, we, yeah. yeah. Some some bezel ASMR. This is pretty crispy. It's, it's really crispy. Yeah. Everything, even the the chronograph. Yeah. That's that value. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Super snappy. So you know that that's just the one that that I kept giving away and like I had to get back. And so now yes. it's here to stay. Nice. It's one of those pieces too. It's like, it's super toolish. Yeah. Uh, especially with all the brushed links. It looks like a wrench. It's just one of those pieces In that like, it just reminds you of, yeah, this and this is, is gonna sound, sound cheesy. It just reminds you of like dad. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, this is good. That, that'd be my barbecue watch. Yeah? Yeah. You gonna get your one. I know. That's going to be and, a and, that, <laughs> and like low key, that, that watch is a strap monster. It's yeah. dope. A lot of people well, don't wear chronomats on it's straps. Gosh, yeah. That, I, I have so many straps for that watch. Mm. And every time I throw it on a strap, I'm like, damn, this thing looks good. Yeah. It's you know? dope. I mean, I love the bracelet too. The pilot bracelet is a great bracelet. People don't talk enough about that bracelet when they talk about great bracelets in the watch industry. I feel like. Those old school Brightling pilot bracelets were awesome. Now, they are a pain in the ass to size. Sure, I bet. They are a pain in the ass to size them. Yeah, but screws and pins. Yeah, super comfortable. Mm. Super comfortable. But it's nice. because each link, you have to remove it you know, individually. Yeah. Mm. You know, so it's, um, it's a, a bit of a beast snapper. A, bit of a part, pain in the ass. A great, a great, you know, that's just like. That that to me epitomizes like the start of the journey for me. So you know, if you got that with this watch in two thousand eight. You said mm -hmm. out of this box, what what came next? Oh Lord, out of the box. So yeah. out of the box, what came next was is going to be way. You know, you're going to be jumping ahead uh, pretty far. Would have been the um, the oyster quartz, the Rolex oyster quartz. That's a reference one nine zero one eight, and I that's my first vintage Rolex. And I uh, picked that up in nice. the fall of 2019. I love that your first vintage Rolex, Rolex yeah. was uh, an Oyster Quartz. And in 2019, when it wasn't trending. Yeah. No I mean, one was looking for these Well, you in know, I, I, I didn't really know. I, I had seen and heard about 
you know, oyster courts at mm -hmm. different points in, in Rolex's history. But I didn't, I didn't really think much about it. And I'll never forget, I was living in California at the time and I spent a weekend down in, um, in Carmel mm. by the sea. And there is a, a really dope uh, Rolex AD out there. Um, and they have the largest, at the time they had one of the largest selections of vintage Rolexes. And so they had an Oyster Quartz in the case that I actually had an opportunity to handle. And yeah. it was different than this one. It was a, a yellow gold uh, uh, Oyster Quartz day date, but it had the pyramid motif. Sure, mm. on the dial. So it had the pyramid, not on the dial. Oh, the bracelet. It had, di it had the diamond markers mm -hmm. with the pyramid, like the Paris de Clou, um bezel yeah. and then the center links also had that motif mm. and i was like yo this is crazy yeah. right and at that point i was like i have to get one of do you these. remember how much it cost at the time at the time they were asking for eighteen thousand. yeah right which you know was and still is a lot of money sure. um but you know it it didn't it, it was naked it came mm. watch only and it had a dent in the case and i was like i'm not i've never been impulsive when it comes to watch yeah. buying right and so for me it was like all right now that i know i'm gonna do my research and i, I ended up buying my own uh, about eight months later. Mm. There's nothing more badass than a gold quartz watch. I mean, <laughs> you know, people, it's, uh, it's an enigma. It's like, yo, why it's it exactly. That's and, why you should. And this it. watch, like, this is original condition. Yeah. Like, the sticker, and it's, it still has the case back sticker. It still has the case back sticker. I mean, it's, 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 it's mint. Yeah. Right? It is. Like, every it's blemish, mint. every blemish on that watch I put on. Mm. Yeah. It is mint. In, in, the, in the years that I have owned it. It looks like a new watch. Yeah. It was, it was basically a safe queen. When I when I acquired it from a, a vintage dealer, and at you know I look back now and like it was a lot of money for me. My at, favorite at the time, part of this like, is, uh, is the bracelet. You know the the for what you're what what I got, and I think what you're getting, and what a lot of people I think still don't fully appreciate is just how brilliant that design is. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it's, it's just an integrated it is, Rolex. It yeah. is it is a gorgeous design, and there's it's, nothing else again, like it in their catalog. It's yeah. it's they also it didn't make oyster quartz in general for a long time. I'm sorry. They didn't make oyster quartz in general for a long time. No, I mean, well, they stopped it in 2001, mm -hmm. right? And so they 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 were making it from I think 1976 to 2001. And the belief is that over that that period of time that they produced about 25,000 oyster quartz watches, inclusive of the day date line, yeah, uh, and the, and the the date just. Mm -hmm. So the majority of those oyster quartzes were date just, mm -hmm. yes, right. And then a much smaller percentage were day dates. Mm -hmm. And you know, the smallest you know run was uh, they believe is the white gold. The one zero uh, one nine zero one nine. Those are and those are hard and have gotten very expensive. I mean, it's it's this is it's it's a beautiful piece. It's so nineteen seventies. It's so nineteen seventies and two thousand twenty two. Yeah, right? it's and, just crazy. And, and that's what that's what's so dope because good design is timeless. Timeless. And what a lot of folks don't realize or may not know is this was the flagship for Rolex when it came out. This was the first Rolex to have solid gold center links. Mm. And end links. It was the first Rolex to actually debut the Sapphire Crystal. Wow. So Rolex poured so much innovation yeah. and so many high-end features into this watch, right? Because they were reading the tea leaves in the 70s and what was going on. So, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, they created a, a super engineered, you know, uh, quartz movement. And then they just packed so much quality into the design they of this watch. They wanted to give people value. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, if yeah. you hold, they definitely had to do it after Genta had did the, uh, you know, the AP uh, Royal Oak in what, 72? Yeah, I mean, it's all part. Of, it was all part of that same era. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. I mean, Michael Caine owned one. Yeah, mm -hmm. his, his his auction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, the is, is amazing. The, the finishing on it, you know, the contrast with the horizontal, the the horizontal brushing, yeah. and and so these have know. become like so now we're starting to see these are like bubbling up. Yeah, yeah. And so they're they're becoming a little trendy, 
and they're trading up. Mm-hmm. Yes. The values increase. I mean, we know people who are actually on the hunt for one. Yes. Well, listen, if you're on the hunt for one, what I'll tell people is, you know, and and I think this generally goes for vintage, right? Is mm-hmm. it's just condition, right? Yeah. Condition's everything. You, condition is everything. Boxing papers don't mean and, anything. And you know, like these that. are you you can find a decent amount of oyster quartzes in the market, but it's hard to find one that hasn't been polished. Yeah. You know, yeah. Really Even look bad at this bracelet. Like this yeah. bracelet is like there's no stretch. There's no, no stretch. stretch. Yeah. Like Man. this. No Mint. stretch. And the clasp is still like, you'll break a nail trying to pull that clasp. Yeah, yeah I almost did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't even want to like... So it's really all about condition because with the oyster quartz, you need those bevels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need yeah. the beveling on the case. You need the beveling on the bracelet. I mean, if you if you don't have that, like in my opinion, that's not the one to get. I mean, yeah. this one is beautiful, man. It's just like Thank holding you. it makes me think of like Gordon Gecko. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> right? Yeah. It just takes me back to a special place. But now you have, um, you also, I know that like you fell in love with watch collecting in, in your own way, mm-hmm. but you've had relatives mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in your family yeah. who were also big watch collectors. Well, I, I, prob- I don't know that I would say big watch collectors, but that the fire, right, for watches was, well, they had the passion. was always there. The passion sure. was there. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. My uncle, uh, Russ, you know, he... He's a huge, huge watch, not just a watch collector, but a historian in so many ways. And I've learned so much from him. So a big shout out to my Uncle Russ. But growing up, um, you know, my father always had watch catalogs around the house. It was like watches and knives. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I I collect collect knives, too. So, (laughs) you know, I had a lot of exposure to the catalogs. Right. And, you know, he would always... Um, he'd always bring those things home or they were just always sitting around. And, and that was really where my exposure to watches kind of started. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we grew up, you know, in a, in a, in a fairly like working class type of environment. Both of my parents were civil servants. Mm-hmm. Right. And so th- there, there wasn't a ton of extra for luxuries, like, like what, I, what I'm fortunate enough to be able to enjoy now. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, it was really kind of living vicariously right mm. through what what was available in the in the catalogs that we would look at but in the case i have my grandfather's uh patek golden ellipse which is double signed uh, and has the the retailer stamp uh Gubelin, uh which is a european retailer and you know it's a, it's a really th- an interesting story behind this piece because you know I, I i didn't know my grandfather very well okay and my my grandfather um was a very colorful character who really didn't spend a, a lot of time around our family, mm. you know, throughout my life. And so uh, when he did pass, you know, he, he had a few possessions and this was among them. Wow. And so, you know, it would be some time until, you know, I was given the opportunity to take custody of this piece. Um, but, you know, it, it just makes me wonder every time I wear it and every time I hold it, you know, the stories that it could tell. If it sure, could speak, yeah. You know, and, and all of the different places that watch had been, the different rooms that it was in, the conversations that it heard, the things that it saw, you know, t- to me, there's, um, that's the strongest connection that I have to my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I get excited about the opportunity to create new memories, you know, with that piece yeah. um, that, you know, will continue to live, you yeah. know, within my family. That's the beauty about vintage. It's kind of like a, um, that connection to the past. Absolutely. You know, because sometimes like even like with my vintage watches and, and all of them were acquired, I, I never got to inherit anything, not yet at least. Um, but you always kind of like you take a look at it and occasionally you wonder and you're like, oh, yeah, where where is this thing? Where been? has this been? 
And you kind of imagine your your imagination runs a little wild with <laughs> my imagination <laughs> runs wild with that watch. I, I would yeah. tell you, yeah. it runs wild with that watch because my, my grandfather went was I'm sure went on a lot of adventures. In Look, his life. Looking at it, one yeah. of my favorite things about it is that the buckle on the back side of it and the case back mm -hmm. started to oxidize, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. which means you actually wear it, mm -hmm. wore it. which is yeah. the best part. And he wore it, and you were, and there's there's yeah. nothing really like old gold. When there, it there, to oxidize, there isn't. It's super unique. But I'll be honest, you know, when my father first shared that watch with me. Uh, probably about five or six years ago, mm -hmm. I, I didn't really get it mm. because I, I didn't. Um, yes, it's a Patek, sure, right? Sure. But I'll be honest. You know, the the fact that it was double stamped, like I didn't even know that Gubelin was a retailer. Yeah. I was like, wow. what is this, right? Yeah. Like I had to Google and I had to research. I didn't know the reference, and it was so tiny, right? That at that point in my journey as a collector, it didn't really resonate with me as a piece that I would I would necessarily want to wear mm. and, and it took some time right for me as i evolved and learned more and matured more as a collector where i could say you know what like there is something so incredibly cool yes right about wearing a, a mid-70s solid gold dress watch yeah. right that's yeah. like 33 millimeters yeah and you know has lived many lives oh, right yes. and seen so many things and you know now you know it's 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 like priceless to me. Yeah. That will never leave my family. And when it comes to Patek, that that watch, the ellipse in general, is something that's special to them. Absolutely, and their catalog yeah, yeah. and their design absolutely. Language. That was it's, everything. The design yeah. is based off Da Vinci's theory of divine proportion. That's right. That's why they don't have like a size per se. Yeah, it's just, yeah. they made them. Yeah, and you bought it and you put it on your wrist and it just worked. That's right. No matter how big you were, if you were tall, short, skinny, fat, it worked. Yeah, you wore it. Yeah, and it's, it just and looks it still good. does. Yeah. And so and, and honestly, like I, I know they're still producing a much yeah, larger still, version. Yeah, they're of the larger now, but, yeah, but like they still. I mean, it looks. This the exact is the same. one. Yeah, yeah, but there's like these proportions. Like I, I am like you know what? I get it. Yeah. Yes, I get it. One hundred percent. Yeah, the ellipse is one of my favorite protects. It's just a perfect design. And and you know, un, underappreciated, I think. It is. Uh, I mean, you, you know, can still get them relatively inexpensive. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I think ten k, ten k, just about. and a lot of and there's a lot of variety. You know, there is a lot yeah. from that era. You mm -hmm. got white gold, yellow gold, yeah. platinum. Rose yeah. isn't really a thing, but mm -hmm. plenty of dial variations, mm -hmm. all yeah. the integrated bracelets, mm -hmm. straps. There's mm -hmm. the works. So there's an ellipse for everybody, for sure. Yeah. There's an ellipse for everybody. You got to look for it. You'll find yeah. it. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. So how would you describe yourself as a as a collector? What do you What do you look for? What do you What's What's driving? Like, how do you know when you uh, like? Give us some insight into yeah. into your your method. So my ethos as a collector is to is to really, you know, I buy the things that I love. Yeah. I buy things that resonate with me. And I won't lie to you and sit here and say that, you know, I don't think that about things like value retention. Sure. You know, because nobody wants to take a bath. But when I first started in this hobby, the expectation was that you would always lose money mm. if you sold a watch, right? Yeah. Uh, especially if you bought one at retail. Mm. And so... You know, the way that I try to look at watch collecting is it has to speak to me. It has to resonate with me. And it has to, in some way, shape, or form, be differentiated from anything else I already have in the collection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I try to avoid redundancy where I can. That being said, I have a lot of sport watches. Mm -hmm. I have a number of integrated sport watches. But they all are differentiated enough for me. Mm. And they come from different... Um, from different manufacturers, right? And they're bringing something a little bit different to the table historically mm -hmm. uh, that that I really appreciate. But, you know, it sounds cliche at this point because everybody and their mother says it, but like, I really do think you have to buy what you love. Yeah. Yes. And like, 
I think that if you were to look at my watch collection, it would you you have a, a lot of insight into who I am as a person. Yes. Like I feel like just the way that I move in the world, I feel like I can go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I can yes. I can be in any room with anybody mm -hmm. and 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 I know how to navigate, right? Yes. And I feel like I have my watch collection reflects a lot of those same sensibilities. Where it's like I have a piece for every occasion, yeah, right. And if I'm if I'm gonna get together with a crew that's into vintage watches, I got something for that crowd. If I'm gonna get gonna get together with a crew that's really into the sports watches, I got something for that crowd, right? Yes. If I'm going to a gala or a black tie event, like I got something for that energy as well, yeah. And so just the versatility, right, and the diversity, you know, in in more ways than one, mm. you know, is, is really big for me in terms of my philosophy. Agree. No, 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 for sure. I mean, you see it here. Um, the funniest thing, too, even talking about your lips, you were like double wristing. You were wearing your vintage protect and then yeah. you were also wearing a, a new protect. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had, um, you know, as fate would have it, uh, my one of my ADs uh, called me up and they had a 6119G for me mm -hmm. uh, the week before Complecto's uh, first event. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't I didn't expect that I would get that call. Uh, that soon, but it, it came in, and so it felt like a really like appropriate. Time. It felt it felt so on time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it felt so on time. Like, I mean, for like you to be able to celebrate something like that yeah. with a piece, and then go ahead and do your first meetup yeah. to have this much success, and then it was funny to kind of put a face to the name. Yeah, because a lot of people also too like with these watch accounts, they kind of don't want to put their face mm -hmm. to it. Yeah, of course, you know, obviously because you know you do have you know, high price point pieces and high valued pieces. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, no, I mean, like, so, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was great to put a face to a name and, yeah. you know, you come in, you know, when you, when we, you know, you met everybody at the door, literally yes. at your event, you met everybody mm -hmm. at the door and we got that energy at the door. It's like, this is who I am. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, take it or leave it yeah and everybody stayed we really we had a we had a we really, had a really good time you. it was rocking it was rocking thank you I <laughs> met so many good people i'm so grateful i really am like i was so i was so moved you know and it's like you know the the, the anecdotes that that people share with me describing their experiences at the event and just you know some of the feedback i got because i sent a survey out to to folks that came just to try to collect you know stories about their experience and just feedback right and constructive feedback on how to create better experiences moving right, forward right. and what a, what so many people told me was like they they walked in and they felt like they were at home yes yeah you know and like that that hits me right there because yeah. i know what it's like to walk in a room and feel like you're anywhere but home yes mm -hmm. and i felt that way many times at a watch meetup and yeah it's a watch meetup and you can but like when i think about complecto and why i think it's so important is because so many people are, are moving throughout the world and they have to deal with so much bullshit. Yeah. So much fuckery, right? Yeah. Like whether you're out in the world or you are in your workplace and you're dealing with, it can feel like the, the deck is stacked against you so often, right? And, and when people have hobbies, right? Like your hobby should be a refuge. Your hobby should be something that gives you joy and should be a place that you come to and it it, it fulfills you and it and it and it makes you feel whole in the mm. ways that you need it to. And I and I just feel like for me that was really lacking in the watch collecting space. Yeah, right? for sure. Right where it's like I'm always happy to get together and talk watches with people, but it's not just about the watches. Yeah, right. I really value like quality interactions and yeah, like who you are as a person and learning and connecting with really Art of interesting. Exactly. And yes. so if, if Complecto can help to create a space where people feel like 
they're gonna deal with bullshit everywhere else. Right. But when they come here, they feel like they can really let their yeah, guard down. Go. Yeah. Right. And they can engage and they can show up as they want to show up. Like yeah. to me, mission accomplished. Mission powerful. accomplished. Very yeah. powerful. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Man, I mean, that was that was a very, very special evening. Thank you. We had a blast. And I think anytime, anytime you see Ricardo. <laughs> Double wristing with four, four watches. watches. He beat Lou Hamilton. I mean, I didn't, okay. Listen, I didn't even know you could put that many watches on your wrist. <laughs> Thinking about it, I'm like, mm. and it was like creative. It was like, it was like two like, face up, two of, like. <laughs> lots of high fives, lots of hugs, yeah. lots of pounds. Yes, absolutely. Yes. It was. We, I think it, we it all felt awesome. like we already knew each other because in some way we did. Yeah. yeah. Whether it was through the watches or not. Yeah. We all walked into the room and we're like, we relate because again, like you said, we look like each other, mm-hmm. yeah. so we understand somewhere where we're coming from. Absolutely. Well, it's also it's cool too. Whenever you go to like these things, but especially like when we went to Complecto, and you know you might be following these people on Instagram, yeah. or you yeah. follow them here and there, yeah. and then you run into them, and it's so like put a face in the name. and then it's like you you kind of feel like you already know each other, yeah. but then you have that moment like yeah, yeah, like there's know? already that rapport. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And yes. you know yes. those connections are just are just uh, they're cemented. Absolutely. And and. Nice. And there, there, and there are so many more now. Yeah, you know, because exactly. I met so many new faces, mm-hmm. right, and new people, and it's like shit. Like now, I'm like, I gotta try to remember, remember everybody, everybody, and like, yes. I remember faces, but I don't necessarily, you know, remember names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible with names. But I can like, recognize you. But what a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. What a good problem to have. Yes. Because the scene, you know, if you're plugged into it and you go to enough of these events, like it feels like you're seeing the same people all the time. Yes. And that's not not that that's a bad thing, but it's like. You know, to, you know, there's more to be able. Exactly. Yeah. You know, there's more. And so to be able to show up and, and connect with and meet new people, mm-hmm. right, yes. who have their own interesting stories and interesting watches. Right. Yes. Right. You know, to, to talk about like that enriches the whole vibe. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're pretty seasoned collector, uh, very passionate mm-hmm. about your time pieces. Um, what advice would you give to someone who is, you know passionate about the hobby but hasn't really dipped their toes in yet Mm. where do they start what do they do well i think the first thing that you should do is follow complecto on instagram respect (laughs) you should go to uh, complecto.co and join the subscriber list Mm -hmm. um but separate and apart from that right it's um I, you know, all jokes aside, I think that you should really try to find a community to plug into. Yeah. Because that that's really what's where I've learned the most from. Right. So whether it was me doing, you know, hours and hours of research on the Rolex forum mm-hmm. or me reading all the articles I could find, you know, on Hodinkee and a blog to watch in Time yep. and Tide and all those other platforms or just connecting with other collectors. Yeah. Right. At events and, and just having conversations. Um, that was probably the single you know, those interactions are are what, you know, what's driven a lot of my learning and my knowledge, Mm -hmm. which is to say, like, I think the most important thing is to try to be as informed as you can be. I think that's an excellent, you know, because there are literally a million options out there. Oh, quite literally. You can go in so many different directions, but, you know, I made, I'm not going to call it a mistake because it was a part of my learning. I I learned a lot by buying a lot of shit that I thought I wanted and really didn't want. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I I probably could have gotten a Rolex sooner, but I I would say, oh, well, I could get a Rolex or I could get an an Omega and a Tudor, right, Mm -hmm. instead. And, like, not that that was a bad thing, but, like, it didn't scratch the itch for me because I knew what I I really wanted, I didn't get, Mm -hmm. right? And I was trying to fulfill that with 
all these other, you know, all these other pieces, which were really cool, but ultimately I didn't love and I didn't bond with and like I had to move on from. And I took yeah. a lot of a, a lot of losses along the way. Yeah. Because that was during an era where like you weren't getting your money back. Yep. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So like and that's another thing too. I was I would share with people, like, I don't want no one should feel like in order to get into watches, you have to have the budget for a four or a five or a six figure watch. Yes. Right. And, and yeah, that's no. that's that's another thing that's really important to me when when I when it comes to Complecto is like if you love watches and I love watches, that's where we should yeah, be anchored. Yeah. Right. And so it shouldn't matter if you've got a Tiffany sign Nautilus on your wrist, mm-hmm. or if I have an Angelus, or if you've got a G-Shock. We all love watches. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the spaces can can sometimes feel like, well, if you don't have a certain piece right. on your wrist, like yeah. you're not worthy, right, to enter the club. Yeah. And I would tell people that are new to the game, like, don't let Instagram ruin you and make you feel Seriously. like you can't, you have to wait until you can afford a Royal Oak in order to become a watch collector. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, how are you ever gonna learn anything if you're in a room with people who are wearing the same caliber of watches you? Absolutely. Gonna, uh, if, if the guy who's wearing the Tiffany stamp Nautilus is probably going to learn more from somebody wearing a G-Shock because yeah. they probably never even got into G-Shock. Mm-hmm. So now they're learning something new. Absolutely. And they're probably going to buy a G-Shock. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's like, it's buy what you love, but also try to be an informed consumer, yes. right? And do research and, you know, don't let the hype of the current market influence all of your purchasing choices. Because I see so many people that they, you know, they buy watches and they wear them only because they want other people to react to them. Yes. Right. And they derive their satisfaction in wearing a watch from what they think other people think, mm. you know, when they see it. And look, to each their own. Sure. You know, to each their own. But, you know, if, if this is something that you really love and, and you, you know, you want to be sustainable for you, then that's probably not the way to get there. Right. Yes. Mm. Yes. 100 percent. And talk about hype watches. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and we like them. Yes. Yeah, of course. We like them. There are watches that are super hyped up that are amazing. We just we took a visit last night to Sotheby's uh, yeah, watches de- watch department. Yeah, yeah. And shout saw out the yeah, shout out shout to out Richard. To Richard. Uh Mr. Richard Lopez, shout out to Janet and Christina. Yes. We saw some of the best of the best. Oh, I'm sure. Of hype watches. Oh, and boy. we had a blast. Mm. Um, but you got here mm-hmm. two other pieces. Yeah. In your watch box you brought us, neither of which are super hype. Yeah. Maybe one's getting a little hypey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, we'll start with this piece here. Yeah, yeah. With the copper dial. Yeah, copper, salmon, you know. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the Gronfeld. Yeah, the Gronfeld, the 1941 Principia. This is beautiful. Thank you. It is a... It's it's a breathtaking piece in my opinion. The strap is the awesome strap too. Is fire. Yeah, <laughs> the strap, the strap oh, is nuts. Yeah. It's a buff. It's a and and that's a an OEM strap for the mm, manufacturer. They make they make the straps. Wow. And that's a, it's a buffalo skin strap with the contrast stitch to match, match the dial. And that's my first high end independent brand. And shout out to Cellini and my homie Artis because you know he's the one that helped me secure the allocation. Wow. Um, but you know this to me. You know, there's a story behind every watch, you know, like I first saw this piece in 2020 Mm -hmm. in person. You know, I had read about it and I saw it in person for the first time at Cellini, um, you know, during COVID, the first year of COVID. And I fell in love with it instantly. But I was a little gun shy because it's not an inexpensive watch. And, you know, it's from a, a very small manufacturer that they only produce you know, maybe, maybe at the time, 150 watches yeah. a year. And so for someone, you know, that didn't have a ton of 
experience with independent brands, you know, I'm thinking of all the worst case scenarios. You know, what if there's an issue with fit and finish or like something yeah. in the movement breaks and yeah. have, I have to send it out? How long is it going to take to get back? What if they go under? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and then obviously, you know, things would change as, right. as everything blew up. Sure. But once I did more of my homework and more research and I felt more comfortable, right, that like they were here to stay. I mean, just the the virtues of the, the brand, right? And the flair that they bring, being a Dutch manufacturer, yeah. uh, the architecture of the movement, which echoes the Dutch bell housing architecture and the orange, which which mimics the same orange color that you find, right? In the Netherlands and in, in, in a lot of their architecture. Um, so incredibly charming. And the Gronfeld brothers, I mean, they are as, as good as it comes when it comes to hand finishing and movement architecture and the the watch speaks for itself and oh, so sure. it just it's one of those pieces it's that beautiful. when i put it on it even from sung afar to me. from it's, afar it's it's sung, it just sung to me yeah it from really afar, did striking. it really did and and i and i was kicking myself because i slept on the remontoire when mm, it came out uh, you know and and again i just i didn't really understand the complication i wasn't familiar enough with the brand it was a very expensive watch so i was kind of like eh, i don't know you know but Many of us can say this, knowing what I know now, I wish I would have jumped on one. Sure, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Story of my Gronfeld life. makes one of my favorite watches ever. Which one? Deadbeat. Oh, Lord. Yeah, the one hurts? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're just and they're just such nice guys. Yeah, you know, like I, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting them in person. They but do I, a lot of stuff with clients. I've, so. I've interacted yeah. with them on Instagram. Like yeah. they respond to my DMs and they, that's the they, really they cool comment thing. on my posts. Yeah. You know? yeah. I was just about that's yeah. what I exactly what I was like, about to say is yeah. just the hands-on approach. Yeah. yeah, it's like the reservations that you had with you know what if they go under, what if you need you know support with the watch. My experience with most indie brands is that you don't have to worry about that. I'll take care of it. Yeah. yeah. If something's wrong, we want to make this up to you. We're sorry. We'll fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just super happy for them because, you know, they, they have seen so much success. I mean, they closed the books yeah. uh, last year and I don't think they're opening them up until at least 2023 yeah. just yeah. so they can focus on meeting the orders. I saw that recently. Filling, right. And, um, and it's just an outstanding piece. And it's one of those pieces like. If you know, you know. Yeah, it's a yes. showstopper. Yeah, right? 100%. If you know, you know. Because otherwise, it could be it could be anything to like the casual like passerby. Yeah. Sure. You know, but every time I look at that watch, I see something different. I discover something new about it. You know, whether it's the contours on the case and the way that the lugs. The case is beautiful. Uh, the, 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 the bezel. The lugs. You know, the lugs are dope. And the and just the recessed you know flanks on the on the sides of the case. The and, indices are gorgeous. Yeah, too. I mean, you know, everything about it. I also it, the love detail. the crown. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah the it's crown, not a yeah. flat crown. It's mm -hmm. like it's almost like cone shaped. It yeah. is, yeah. It is, and so it's that level of thoughtfulness in design, right? Yes. And like that commitment to quality and craft that really resonates with me because you can see it and you can feel it when you wear the watch. I love it when watchmakers they take the approach where it's like, how can we make this different than everything else that's on the market? Like, how do we separate ourselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this piece is gorgeous. Thank you. The Thank you. I mean, and again, straps fun. The strap, fire. Fire. strap, fire. strap fire. is awesome. The strap, the strap is, is awesome. fire. Yeah. yeah, the texture. You know, when you feel it, even when you look at it, the fact that, like, you know, buffalo. I'm like, man, buffalo feels this soft. Yeah, yeah. it's very supple. Yeah. Well, I actually have five five straps from from OEM straps from them. All yeah. buffalo. All, no, so uh, one is buffalo. Well, I think I've got two buffalo. I've got um, uh, two of the uh, Python. Yeah. The mm -hmm. Python straps are dope, but they're not uh, as durable. I, yeah. I, have, I have a friend who actually so I don't has wear the, that so the often. turquoise dial principle. Yeah. He has the matching Python. Yeah. And 
it, it's frayed a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so, I was going to say because yeah. it's like real, it's super, real flake, it's, flaky, yeah. kind of yes. like. Super flaky. Yeah, so it's I. It's almost like salmon skin strap. I, I stopped. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I kind of like, I'm giving it a break. Yeah. You know, because I don't want to wear that thing to death. But it's it's not quite as resilient. But the buffalo, you know, I think it's bulletproof. Bulletproof, yeah. buffalo yeah. Yeah. for sure, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. All right, and then we got the last one here. Yeah, Bulgari, Bulgari. Yeah, one of my favorites. Um, one of my favorite designs. Yes, right? it's very pretty. This is the Octo Finissimo S. So it has the 100 meter water resistance, the screw down crown. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular one is the the vertically brushed uh, stainless steel dial, which came out last the, uh, year. The case backs on these, and um, yeah, you really- know the Octo Finissimo is a, a piece that I loved from the moment it debuted, mm-hmm. but I didn't love the way it looked on my wrist. Mm. You know, it felt uh, in the in like the full titanium. It was it was more yeah. muted mm-hmm. and. It was it was even thinner. This is a uh, about one millimeter thicker than the the standard octo, because yeah. that's where you get that extra water resistance from. Mm. And so when I put this on, I actually I, I purchased this while I was on vacation in Curacao last year, and I, I walked into an AD, and I you know it caught my eye. The dial caught my eye because yeah. I'm a sucker for you know monochromatic. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah, and, and it, I love it. Almost I love looks brushing. like you're you're brightling, but like. I don't want to say fancier, but it's, it's a different expression <laughs> yeah, of, of the of same the aesthetic, same aesthetic right? right? And uh, once I put it on, it's crazy what a millimeter of thickness can can do right. when it comes to presence on your wrist. And it felt more substantial. And the the finishing, right? This is the satin polish. Like it really makes that design sing. It I, does. It plays with light. It does. In a very it's, nice it's way. So very similar dynamic. to like a, a Royal Oak. It's so dynamic, and um, I, I really do think that. You know, in time, people will look back on this as one of the great designs. Yes. You know, I think that this is, is going to be viewed as an iconic design at some point in the future. Yes. It's got a micro rotor. Yeah. That's a platinum right? micro rotor. That's a manufacturer movement. You know, at, at the price point, you're getting so much. Yes. You know, and, 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 and I really do have a lot of respect for Bulgari because they have invested a lot, you know, in their watchmaking um, to, to produce pieces that transcend like jewelry or fashion yeah. accessory status because right? at first they they were kind of seen in that realm as mm-hmm. like a fashion watch well there's a trend happening now with a lot of these companies like a bulgari cartier Piaget, mm-hmm. cartier, Piaget, cartier mm-hmm. that are known for like being like almost kind of like jewelry slash yeah. high fashion yeah. watches Even Van Cleef. that are like mm-hmm. that are like making mm-hmm. like they're they're like serious about watchmaking right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll I'll give Bulgari some credit though because obviously we know a lot of these high end jewelry companies have been making watches for a while. Mm-hmm. But Bulgari, I mean, the Serpentine's been out forever, forever. Yes, and it's kind of in that realm of like a jewelry slash mm-hmm. fashion watch, but it gets a lot of respect. Yeah, and I think when they dropped it, the Octo line, I think that's when people were like, "All right, like, they're like, whoa, they're they're like yeah. this is a legitimate watchmaking brand." Absolutely. Yeah. And look, I think when you look at the Bulgaris and the Cartiers and the Piagets of the world, right? Like they make jewelry. Yes. You know, yeah. and so their their pieces are are going to reflect a lot of those sensibilities from a mm-hmm. design standpoint, mm-hmm. and they're beautiful, right? In that regard. And I think that that's I think that's a good thing. I think it's great right? because they're so design forward. Yep. And I think that's really healthy, you know, for the watch industry for you know the function to follow the form, for which sure. is what you see. I think in a piece like this, oh, absolutely, for sure, one hundred percent. 
What did you think about Watches and Wonders this year? Watches and Wonders, man, was uh, was really cool. Other than wishing that I was there, sure, yeah, yeah. same. <laughs> I, was, I'll tell you, I wish I was there to take I, part of all the fondue. I stayed up. Yo, I, listen, man. fingers crossed, we'll, we'll, we'll be there next year. I love fondue. But um, the uh, I stayed up. You know, I stayed up that night. You know, to until you know they debuted. Yeah. And, you know, for all the announcements, and I thought it was dope. I thought there were a lot of really cool releases that came out this year. I have, yeah. You know, I got a few on my list that. You know, I'm, I'm hoping to be What's on your list? at some point. So, um, number one on my list is going to be the 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 Debethune DB28. Okay. Sport, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the John Player Special Fire Edition. Um, you know, DB is another brand that... Do you have any? I don't own Debethune? a DB, okay. but that's a brand mm-hmm. that I have admired from afar. And again, I was gun shy about because they're very expensive. One, they're very expensive. Very, very expensive. expensive. Yeah. Super. You know, um, that being said, you know, not that long ago, you know, you... They could have been had, you know, with a with a very reasonable yeah. accommodation from yes. from the ads that carried them. Right. Uh, those days have have quickly since passed. Right? Oh yes. But, you know, with um, you know, DB like like a, a number of other independent brands, right? Like, I just didn't know, you know, how long they might be around or if the market, you know, pivoted or whatever the case might be. So I again, it was like sit, watch, learn, do my research, right. had mm-hmm. the opportunity to handle some, and I was like, and I was sold. Yes. So, you know, once I, I realized like that was definitely a, a brand I wanted to add, I was like already immediately trying to figure out, okay, what, how many watches do I need to sell to finance, yeah. you know, uh, getting a, a, yeah. a, a DB. But yeah. that, that John Player special to me is incredible. And mm-hmm. they have the dynamo lighting, yeah. LED lighting system mm-hmm. in that, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the floating um, articulating lugs. I mean, it's, the, it's, it's those, a spaceship. Those lugs are. It's, it's a spaceship. Lugs are, yeah, the lugs are different. And that, and that whole color scheme, the John Player, yeah. like, that's legendary. It is. It, it really is. So that one is really high on my list. Um, another one that I thought was incredible, Cartier. Um, the, what the was Mysterios. The uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, fire. Yeah. It was the, uh, the 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 Mass Mysterios. Mass Mysterios. Yes. And like where the movement is in the rotor. rotor. Yeah, like, yeah it's nuts. Like that's that, with that the was crazy. Flo- with the floating arms is just yeah. like yeah, yeah. So again, like you talk about you know brands that are known more historically for their their jewelry, their high jewelry, you know, but have real watchmaking chops like yeah cartier has been showing that and, yes. and i think that they've, they've been really impressive i, I like the tank chinois as well sure yeah. um and, and just some of the beautiful the the, the asian you know design mm-hmm. aesthetic that they've they baked into that i thought was super cool yeah. um the vacheron 222 fire oh, bringing that piece back for the crew like the 222 i think is awesome um and I'm really happy to see that back. It it it's very reminiscent of you know in terms of dimensions to oh, like my horse mm-hmm, right. yeah. but it's of the same era. I think it's a stunning piece. I can't wait to to be able to get my hands on on that and, and be able to try it on. Um, I really like the new um, the Yacht Master Oyster Flex White Gold with, with the, the Falcon's eye. Nah, the gem set. Oh, you're the gem set. Yeah, nah, it's okay. Gem set. Nah, I like yeah. the Falcon dial. No, nah, so I, I haven't. Mess, I mess with. Stones. I haven't seen the Falcon dial in person yet, and I I love stone dials, but. I also love gem set pieces. Now I don't really. I, I have one one watch with diamonds in it, and it's very subtle. I don't have anything that's like fully gem set. But you know, I know it's very polarizing. But man, like there there aren't that many brands, in my opinion, that do gem setting as well as Rolex. Yeah. And the especially when it comes to the gradients and the colors, yeah. and so I just think that that's just a stunning piece. Yeah. I, I think love especially the when it comes to like the colors. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they, colors. they yes. really do. Yeah. Their colors yeah. are perfect. They are. Well, they have the best clarity in yeah. the industry. Period. Yeah. Like I mean, you know, you look at like you know a Rolex timepiece from you know let's just say like a presidential Rolex yeah. from the '90s, diamond bezel, whatever. 
like it can still look exactly as you know a 2022 piece mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like legitimately quality of the stone still there still hitting still yeah. shining yeah it's a Rolex. but what yeah. a lot of people don't a lot of people don't realize <laughs> it's never like, not gonna hit when it's like that yeah. rolex has become so polarizing right yeah, people course. love to hate rolex yes but i love rolex and the reason why i love rolex is because you you can dig so far back into their catalog and see things that they were doing 20 and 30 years ago mm-hmm. that people are still trying to emulate now yes. well think about it like this yeah. the the green sapphire crystal and yes. the Bilgaus. Yeah. That's not even patented. Yeah. yeah. They're Crazy. almost like telling other brands, like, try it. Yeah. Can't no, even do no it. No one has. Can't yeah. Do it. And so like, they've been doing rainbow gem setting for 30 plus yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Before yeah. the rose gold before, popped off a couple of years ago. Yeah. They were before doing the, the, the rainbow Daytona, they right. had already had rainbow day days. They had a rainbow oyster quartz. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a reference 19038, which is like my personal grip. Rainbow oyster A rainbow quartz. oyster quartz. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah, that's like, a flex. It is yeah. like, <laughs> it's, next, it's next level. But, you know, it's, it's shit like that that makes me love Rolex. And mm-hmm. then I think that. You know what? Another piece I really loved was the Aorus Pro Pilot. Oh, oh yes. Pro Pilot, the caliber, the caliber X. I had a chance to try one on at um at an event that Aorus did with Red Bar last week, and I was so impressed. What color did you like the most? Uh, well, I mean, I love the salmon. Salmon's I think it's salmon. all of all of the dials. I think are executed beautifully. For right. me, yeah. the salmon just pops. Yeah. Yes. And that thirty nine millimeters, it's perfect. It's perfect. Well, it's just it's funny too because like Oris does these things sometimes where I'm like, you if you were like to just read about it, it's like it doesn't make, it, any, yeah, sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. Like what are you yeah. gonna release well, that, like, like a titanium watch wrong. with a with a pink dial? Like <laughs> sure, whatever. And then you see it, and you're yeah. like, yeah. I get it. But it's so it's so well executed. It's very yeah. good. And the, What's dope about it too is that the, the pink is is like super matte. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And which matches like the subdued like, like tone of the titanium. Of the titanium. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's and so nice. just the, I mean, I think they, very hit, well they, executed. they hit it out of the park. They, they did. hit it out of the park with that. Yeah. It's nice. I love that piece. And that that will likely be my first Oris, because I've I've yet to own an Oris. Hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah you gotta get yeah. one. You gotta get yeah. one. Now I just wish they would do a skeleton in 39 millimeter. I think that yeah, because yeah. the ProPilot X is yeah. the ProPilot, it, and it's dope. It's it's a little it's, it's a little chunky, it's a little chunky too, boy, a little too small yeah. for me. Yeah, um, but I would love to see that executed. In the the small movement's size. fire too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Power reserve, Ask, come yeah. on, ten days, ten yeah. days, yeah, ten, yeah. Days for, ten day power reserve on the titanium skeletonized watch. Yeah, yeah. again, seven value grand. for your dollar. You like yeah, for seven grand. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough to beat Oris on. I mean, Oris is like yeah. They're yeah. putting some heat out, but they're also giving you a lot of watch. Absolutely. And they're just, and they're great people. Yes. That's, that's the other thing too. It's like when you get into that circle where you start, which is not very difficult to get because they're very hands-on with their clients. Mm-hmm. Um, they hire incredible people. They have their own culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're real. Mm. They're real. Um, continuing on. This is a question that we like to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an easy question. No one likes this question. Actually, it's probably one of the most unpopular questions. <laughs> I feel like I know where this was going. Yeah, <laughs> but if if you could only wear one watch, if you oh had to consolidate it down to one piece, uh, because this is one of those questions that really makes you think, and yeah. it's tough. Uh, but <clears throat> where 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 would you land? Man, I would give up bread and cheese before I gave up wearing, being able to wear multiple watches. But okay. If I if I really only had one watch to wear, and if I'm just choosing from my collection, mm-hmm. it would probably be my overseas. Okay, uh, I have I have a Vacheron overseas 4500V, uh, silver dial. 
And and honestly, out of all the integrated sports watches that I've owned, mm-hmm. it's it's like far and away the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. The uh, the bracelet is is incredible, mm-hmm. uh, incredibly comfortable. But you have the versatility of of wearing it on a rubber strap or a leather or a leather strap. Yeah. And so it is a piece that. To me, it, it has the robustness of a tool watch, mm-hmm. but it does. an aesthetic that is so elegant that it's appropriate in any environment. Yeah. And and the, like the ability to execute a design like that, mm-hmm. I think is is incredible because there are very few watches that can achieve that. Yes. You know, and like I love the Royal Oak. I love my Royal Oak, but my Royal Oak is not as versatile or as comfortable you know, as my overseas is. Interesting. And so there have been occasions where it's like, I want to wear the Royal Oak, but it couldn't fit comfortably enough under the cuff when I'm wearing a suit, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's not a knock on the Royal Oak. It's a, it's a different beast and a different design. But but for me, the VC is tough to beat as a one watch yeah. that can pretty much do anything, mm-hmm. black tie or at the beach. Yeah. Like so, so what if you had to pick one, just any watch, something you don't even own, something that you may aspire to, yeah. What would that be? It would be, it would probably still be a VC overseas, except it would be the overseas um, ultra, ultra, the ultra thin. Nice. No, it would be the ultra thin overseas. It was, they, I think it had a one year production run. White gold. Yeah. With a ruthenium dial. Mm-hmm. Ultra thin. Um, you know, those are, are impossible to get now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that no would. No one wants to get rid of yeah, them. Yeah, that would probably, no one wants to get rid yeah. of them. Absolutely. So they whenever one of those hits, hits, hits the auction block. Yes, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna, it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna be. Crazy. That might be seven figures. It's gonna be, wow. it's gonna be crazy because that that piece. I'm mad that I discovered it like as late Too as late, I did. Yeah. You know, yeah. I missed the boat by a couple of years. But mm-hmm. I think, I just think the overseas is tough to beat as a one watch. The versatility that that you get yeah. with that piece. I'm is, not mad at you. It's yes. tough. I'm yeah. not mad at you. Um. So, <laughs> Rashawn's favorite part of the show. My favorite go. part of the show. And I, I actually enjoy this. <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy it a lot. It gets good. Is he doing poetry again? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no. uh, but Rashawn is our resident game host. <laughs> and uh, he comes up with some pretty fun games. They're, they're very entertaining. Uh, but he's got a game for you. This one is called... Name That Tune. Name hmm. That Tune. Name um, That Tune. Okay. So, so let's get busy. Lead it off, my man. Uh, before we kind of get into it, um, you know... Cause we were we were putting an episode together, and of course, like I asked Jason, I was like, mm. "Hey, like, you know, what other outside, you know, interests do you have? Like, you know, what mm-hmm. do you what do you do outside? What do you collect? Like, whatever, just give me something." And he gave me like an array of things, but he was like, "I actually record music." Mm. I was like, "I rocks with that." <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was like, "Let's do something fun. Name that tune." Um, I have four songs. Um, and of course, you know, us being like New York City guys, it's like, how could we not do like hip hop lyric like references? Sure. Um, so we got four songs. These ones, because I couldn't find anything that wasn't outside of Roly Roly Roly. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's try to find something that's kind of like relevant and cool. Yeah. Um, so I I'll give you I'll give you some hints. And then So um, you're gonna play the song or you're just gonna say the lyrics or what? Now I'm gonna say the lyrics. Okay. Um, and then if you get stumped a little bit, I'll give you a hint. Okay. And then try to like, you know, kind of lead you in the in the Okay the right direction. Um, so this one, um, the first song, right? The lyrics it goes, Cardia bust downs just not my thing. Oh. The B in the he center of the left and right wing. The only time you ever see me next to Brightling. Yeah, so that's uh my neck and wrist, right? Yes. Uh, uh, I'll push a T and hold. That was that was a giveaway. Yeah. 
Um, but one like <laughs> that I think was, that's fresh on the mind. That's what it's fresh on the mind. Yeah. The um, it's so funny because now that we're in you know this this time, like watches is prominent to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know your biggest influencers, your biggest um athletes, um, you know. Your your parents now, you know, you watch movies, you start to see watches. Yeah. Or like these things spring up. It's part of pop culture. Yeah, it's it part is of pop now. culture. In a really big way. Yeah. Um what's cool too is that I mean, two guys on that song, Jay and, and Pusha, they've it's been relevant to them forever. Forever. Yeah. Like Pusha T named an album Daytona, it's his mm-hmm. favorite watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I hope was wearing Richard Mill in the early 2000s. Early 2000s. Yes, 2003. He, he was, was wearing one yeah, of the, the first year ones. That's what I'm saying. R1, like, uh, R1. Yes. Usually the year RM yeah. launched. He had so one. a lot of, and a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people will hate that, that don't understand, but like, he is a watch guy. He's oh, a very serious he's the watch collector. Serious, one of the, the best watch collectors absolutely. today. Serious. Knows his stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. He's one of the biggest flexes, period. Listen, when you, <laughs> we'll get him on the show. When, when you have, yeah, a, we'll get him on the show. You, you go open your watch box and pull out a seven-figure watch at any at for every day of the week. Yeah, that's a pretty big flex. Yes. Um, I wanted to add some diversity, so you know, we we threw a shot at uh, you know, Cartier and, and Breitling. Um, this one here is Audemars on my wrist, bust down. We popping bottles like a, we scored the winning touchdown. Mm. That's Meek Mill. Um. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> Before we started, he was like, I don't know if I'm going to get it. <laughs> is, that, that, is that Dreams and Nightmares? No, that's um, I'm a Boss. Oh, I'm a Boss. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Very close to Dreams and Nightmares. Yeah. He, but he's enough. Meek is like, rolly, 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 rolly. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about flipping RMs in the verse. Mm-hmm. Good. Chill, boy. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> um, Third song comes. This is... I'm, I'm gonna give you a hint first because this is a new guy, but he is one of he's like a part of the new old school. Mm. And I might even give you too much, but this cat is official. So let me let me uh let me go on. So came from high risk hazards, you know, Pyrex glasses, a long way from the Prezi from the Timex Classic. Mm. I'm gonna need a hint. Okay. So this artist is a New York guy, but not from New York City. A New York guy, from, but not from New York City. Yes. So is that, I'm thinking Griselda. There you go. Is that Benny the Butcher? The, yes, sir. Wow. Yeah, yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Buffalo. Yeah. Shout out to Buffalo. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a heavy hip hop head, so. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right, so then you're not so bad. Nah, but I need three right now. I could have put like little Uzi. Well, I'm, in a, I'm, nah, I'm in, a, in a room with other New Yorkers, so I'm, I'm lucky. Go. I'm lucky, yeah. Um, What's the last one? That's the thing. We have yeah. like that shared interest. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, last song. New Watch Alert. Hugh Blows or the Big Face Rowley. I, I got, got two, two of those. those. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah that's hope. That yeah, yeah. Listen, the greatest to ever do it. At easy, yeah. yeah. Jay Z, yeah. mm-hmm. hands down. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the greatest watch collectors. Yeah, yeah. man. Can you I imagine? Like, a, I, that's listen. That's one of my like one of my dreams. You know, when I think about like Complecto and like the way that I hope that we can grow is like, man, don't let me do a talk on watches. <laughs> the people that I would I yeah. would, would want to do talk on watches with, man. 
I want to open those those watch boxes up and see what's mm-hmm. in there, man. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be Imagine like open the safe up. That would be crazy. Open the, the safe up. We haven't seen. Imagine stuff he just wears around the house. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. That would be insane. Yeah. You that know? would be dope. He has everything. Yeah. That'd be dope. He's been this man has been collecting watches for the last thirty years. Yeah. But you know, like to that point, right? It's like because sometimes I I think that collectors and people that have you know that have been at it for like that are seasoned, right? You you kind of you wonder like like what's next? I, yeah. I've had moments like that. Like I can only imagine. Like behold, like what what's gonna scratch the itch, right? Like when you can get anything that you want. And it's not just hope. There are other collectors and people who are very wealthy that have crazy collections and pieces that no one's ever heard of and piece uniques. But it's like, all right, how do you, it's like you're chasing a high, yeah. right? And every piece kind of raises the bar a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like in my own way, and I think it's relative to all collectors and their respective journeys, right? But it's like every piece you get is like, okay, I have this problem. I'm already thinking this is dope. I'm so glad I have it. What's next? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can forget that there was once a time where the thing that you're wearing, you you were like, man, I can't wait until the day comes where I can wear a have a day date on my wrist or mm-hmm. an Angelus or a Breitling or whatever it is, you know? So yes. I just wonder, you know, once you reach a certain threshold, like, I think when are you, you satisfied? When is enough I don't, enough? I, but I think, I think in his case, when you take into consideration, like, how long he's been successful yeah, and how long he's been collecting watches, mm-hmm. many of these things that he owns that are highly coveted, to him are just watches. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you think about when you're in his shoes and you can get anything you want, mm-hmm. by the time you're there, you're a billionaire, you're a pop cultural icon, you can get any watch you want mm-hmm. and you wear a Rolex. Mm-hmm. A Rolex to him is like wearing a swatch to someone else. Yeah. yeah. That's why he's it's rocking like, JLCs. Oh, this is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wear it today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, it's like it's like a platinum <laughs> day day. Yeah, you know exactly. What I'm saying? With yeah, yeah. like. It's well, he like was, he was casually rocking that one of one Rolex Perpetual. Yeah, oh, yeah. the Frank mm-hmm. Miller. Yeah, the, the Frank Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Literally, he, I think he wore. That's, to I think I think that's probably his favorite casual. watch. When you look at like photographs, uh, like some of the watches we photograph different events, that's the one watch he wears most frequently. Mm-hmm. He wears it all the time, especially when he's with his wife. Mm-hmm. Yes, he mm-hmm. wears that watch mm-hmm. a lot. Interesting. That must mean she likes it too. Maybe likes it on him. But I think I think he gets I think like that's like for him that's like yeah it, it does it for him it yeah. does it for him yeah. I think it checks all those boxes it's a, it, and it, and to be honest it's because it's it it's a it is a Rolex mm-hmm. b it's a Frank Mueller it's also not officially a Rolex anymore yes right so but at that complicated Rolex. but that's the same and then at that point it's like well who cares yes. like when you just exactly. look at it you're like man this is like yeah. and then the story that's along with it it's it's one of those things where I imagine like he looks and he's like. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> he just yeah. did the whole. It's yeah, good. good. <laughs> Which is to say you nothing know? of the like the whole person the piece unique RMs RM. that he has. Yes. 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 Well, I'm that sure the joint? the piece unique uh, you know protects that he. I'm sure he has in his yeah. collection, right? That no Cartier. one knows about Cartier. Yeah. yeah. I mean the pieces that he has there. Yeah. He well he talks about it in the in the. Yeah. Uh, he talks about it like yeah. the piece uniques, and he starts like yeah, breaking yeah. it down, and he speaks this language that like. Hove always talks in in codes, mm-hmm. and he's able to tap into everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like you know, for your hustlers, the dope boys, to the corporate cats, to the guys that are in our industry and what yeah. we speak on. Yeah, it's like he has a place everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't got the bright watch. I got the nice, nice watch. watch. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, he's he's, man, no, he's legit. I mean, he's, uh, he's 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 quite the collector. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm I'm it'd be an, an amazing opportunity to to interview someone like himself, not only for his watch collection or his art collection, but at that point, you realize that like you're someone who collects. I'm curious, like, what do you have that you don't rap about? Yeah. <laughs> like what's yeah. that thing that you collect that he's like gets excited about that he's yeah, probably no a little embarrassed yeah. Black Funko Pops right, <laughs> right. Oh, you know I what mean, I do I'm gonna ask the question remember this was like the biggest question that they posed actually we should have put this this is like an unofficial question I'm gonna ask Jason yeah would you take 500 million dollars well 500 million dollars is a lot let's say would you take 500,000 uh-huh or a dinner with Hope? Yeah, I've heard this question before. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I I would probably say at this point, I would take a dinner with Hope, because I think that the you know the the value you know that that meeting could potentially yield far exceeds you know a half a million dollar check. Yeah, you know for sure, for sure. Just in terms of the the, the access you know that Can you I could potentially get. I think I'm taking a five hundred. I get it. And listen, I guess a lot of bread. I get it. I've been around Hope before. Yeah. You taking the money? I'm taking the money. <laughs> and there's no shade on him. But I know for a fact he would he he would be like, You ain't take the press? What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I would have took the press. Yeah. That, that and that's me taking the dinner with the assumption that like He's present. He's engaged, right? And like, he, no, I know. You know I'm just kidding. I'm having some fun. Is, you know? No, yes. I hear you. But like, listen. But definitely, like, you know, a, a dinner with Hove is worth yeah. half a million dollars. I mean, it's not very. I mean, it's not even very often. Most people will never get to experience being around, uh, you know, someone who is as magnetic mm. as he is, as real as he is, um, and as interesting. As as he is, I don't think if you if you know someone who passes on a half million dollars to take dinner with Hope is not taking dinner with Hope for business advice. Mm. You're going for the experience. Yeah, I'm going for the and experience. And it's worth the experience. I'm yeah. definitely going for the experience. It's, you're going for the experience, and it's worth the experience. Yeah, he's he's a very magnetic person. I've been around him once, and everybody has a good time when they're around Hope. Mm. Mm. Now that being said, if you put a briefcase. With five hundred thousand dollars on the table in front of me right now, it might might be a little more difficult <laughs> for me to. You'd be thinking to, about that to look the other way overseas. I'll be thinking about uh, the, the next few years of funding for Complector. I'll be thinking. About there we go. There you go. One hundred percent. That's how you do it. Yeah. Um, well, this has been awesome. This has been dope. I appreciate you guys uh, very much. Man, yeah. we appreciate you. You know, thank you for being so honest you, too. Well, honest and real and. Um, you know, from the moment we met, and it's funny because we had we connected via Instagram, mm-hmm. and um, we we met up at the place where Risk Check Pod kind of all happened. It happened at Finelli's mm-hmm. Soho, and uh, it was a, it was a rainy day. I think it was pouring that day. It was. You, you ventured out in bad traffic to sit down and have uh, mozzarella sticks and french fries with us. <laughs> and, uh, and we talked about Chicken the sandwich. event. And, um, you know, one of the, the, the great things is when like minds come together and they set out to accomplish a mission and a goal and it happens. Mm-hmm. And to have spent that evening with you talking about what you had planned and to watch you put that plan into motion um, was a sight to see. Uh, to then experience that with people we care about, people we've admired from afar that we got the opportunity to meet because of this event was incredibly special. And I can't wait to see what the future has in store for you, David, and, and Complecto. Thank so, you. Thank you. I congratulations. Thank you. And um, <clears throat> cheers 
to the future. I know we're going to see some more stuff happen. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm happy to be part of it in whatever way we can support and, and aid one another. Absolutely. Likewise, I appreciate your support, the platform that you guys have created to give people an Thank opportunity you. to give folks a voice. Thank you. you know, I think that we're we're working towards you know so many of the same you know shared goals. Hundred percent. Right? And so we're here, brother. You know, it takes it takes a, an army you know yes. to to move the needle the way that we want to move it. So I'm grateful to have you know you all on a journey. Yes. Respect. Yes. This was the 23rd episode of Rich Check Pod. Yes. With our friend Jason. Hey. Uh, you can find Jason at Rishad NYC. Rishad NYC. Yep, that's the personal Instagram. And then there's also Complecto. Yes, sir. And uh, you know where to find us on IG. We are at Rich Check Pod. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're on TikTok. We're also on YouTube uh, where you can watch our episodes. We're also on Spotify, video and audio. So you can listen to it, watch it, the whole nine. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Deuces. Peace.